Hey everybody, how fun is this having online church? You're sitting there in your pajamas or, uh, or in your sweat outfit. Who knows? You might be in suit and tie. That would be awesome. I thought I'd like to open up my message today with uh, something that I did kind of fun this week. You probably didn't get to see it. If you don't follow me on uh, Instagram, please do, or on TikTok. I'm on TikTok now. Watch out. I'm on TikTok. And so I made a TikTok video, uh, probably the last a small group that I'm going to get to have face to face with some of our folks. So uh, sit back and enjoy this for just a second. It's kind of, I just want you to see this cute. Did you bring the stuff? Yes. You must get cool. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? You chuck it on that. <laughs> Come on. Now, you know that was awesome. That was hilarious, right? Come on. Hey, as we jump into the Word today, I want you to know something. As your pastor, I'm praying for you. And, uh, and, and, and as a church body family, we got each other's back. And I really want you to connect with us online in our online small group life. I think that's the best way I can know your needs as people who are caring for one another. And I'm getting the reports and I can be a part of that. And I think it's from that that today's message, I, I really believe, will help you. I've titled this, Don't Miss Your Moment. So if you're taking notes, write that down. That would be really cool if you're sitting in your bedroom taking notes right now. That'd be really awesome. I think what I'm going to share with you is going to give you some good insights and some good directions on what the next couple of weeks is. We're probably going to be homebound, most of us. Uh, few folks in our church already and get reports back have lost their jobs. I want you to know, though, that God will take this moment and do something special in it. So let's not miss our moment, okay? There's a passage in Ephesians chapter 5 that I want to read to you, starting in verse 15. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Now, as I read that, I really believe this can encourage us. We live in a pretty tough day, and uh, but we can be wise in this moment, and literally we can see an opportunity come from difficulty. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have missed some opportunities in the past. I just didn't see them as opportunities. I, I was more focused on getting the job done and I missed an opportunity. And I, I feel like prophetically, that's kind of a moment that we're in. As a believer, um, you're, you have an opportunity to really stretch and to grow and become the man or woman of God that you want to be in these tough times. And uh, in fact, you know, you and I both know this It's in difficulty that literally muscles are formed, right? Until you start pumping that weight and that pain of that weight, that that's what actually begins to cause muscles to form. And so I believe that prophetically that we're in a critical moment of time where literally things are adjusting. We've lost our schedules are way thrown off. Um, our, our routines have been literally destroyed. Uh, the places of comfort and peace have now been shaken. Uh, finances, uh, all the things that we have probably found um, strength from are now in disarray. But I believe this can be our finest hour. I believe this is the t season we can grow. I believe this can be a time where you become the man of God, the woman of God that you dream that you would be. And I actually think that some of the stuff that was so important to us 
were probably distractions that kept us from really growing in the things of God. And so we now have an opportunity, if you will, in the midst of difficulty. And I look in Scripture and I see people who missed opportunities. I think about in Matthew chapter 19. Uh, the Bible called this man a rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to have eternal life? And so Jesus takes him through a couple little checkpoints. Well, obey the commandments. And he goes, I've done all of that. And he goes, okay. Well, then go sell everything you have and come follow me. And the Bible says that that young, rich ruler went away sad because he had much wealth. Can you imagine? What amount of money is greater than being best friends with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I mean, what, what, what prestige was, is more valuable than having a right relationship with the King of Glory, to have your sins forgiven and standing side by side with the King of Glory? That young man missed his moment. And, uh, and I know that I've missed some moments in the past. And so I want to challenge us and encourage us at the same time that today can be a day where you and I have opportunity that we may not have seen. In fact, there's a passage of Scripture that I, I've been studying I want to bring to you out of the book of John. So go ahead and start making your way to John chapter 4. And this is a story um, or this moment where Jesus had an engagement with a Samaritan woman. Now let me set the pace for you here a little bit. The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. Um, there was a racial divide. You want to talk about prejudice. You want to talk about uh, racism. The Jews and the Samaritans, that's exactly what was going on. In fact, Jews would go all the way around Samaria just so they wouldn't have to engage with Samaritans by going through their area, their geographical area. And in one incident here in John chapter 4, Jesus says, I'm not going around. I'm going straight down through the middle of Samaria because he was on a mission, a mission to minister, a mission to help someone who was in a real tragic moment. And as we pick up, in John chapter 4 and verse 4, read there with me. It says, And now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given his son Joseph. And verse 6 says, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, he was tired, it says, from his journey, sat down at the well. And it was about the sixth hour, so right about straight up noon. So think about Middle Eastern uh, geography and topography. It's hot it's, uh, it's noontime. Jesus has been walking for some time now. His disciples going into the city and Jesus sits down at the well. It was probably on the outskirts of the city. He obviously doesn't have anything to draw water with. And we'll see that, uh, you know, as you read on through, you can see that. And then comes, the Bible says in verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now, this is a pretty significant uh, statement here. Um, why is a Samaritan woman drawing water at straight up noon? Most scholars believe that this woman wasn't drawing water in the early morning hours, which is when all the other women of the city would have gone out. They would have gone out, drawn water, so they could prepare for their day. They didn't have washing machines with water coming into their homes. They had to go draw water. They couldn't cook or whatever their business was, whatever business they had that maybe would require water, they had to go draw it typically early in the morning. And that would be a place of social engagement. The ladies would discuss back and forth, you know, what the week was like. This woman wasn't invited to be a part of that, or she didn't feel comfortable to be a part of that. We'll learn later the reason why, because she probably was considered by everyone in that little small community as the as the hoochie mama, as the one that uh, that that had bad, you know, had had a bad life and was a bad influence on everybody. In fact, as she begins to walk up to Jesus, Jesus asks her. He says, "Will you give me a drink?" In verse seven, and uh, because his disciples had gone on into town. In verse nine, skipping down that, the Samaritan woman said to him. You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? 
Like, like, hey, wait a minute. We're from two different parts of, of the city. I mean, you, your people hate my people. My people hate your people. And why would you ask me that? Not to mention you're engaging a Jewish man with a Samaritan woman. That's just like, that's not even right. That's not appropriate. And, uh, and Jesus engaging with her literally looks at her in verse 10, skipping down there. He says, and if you knew, sweet love, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus goes straight into, hey, sweet love, I'm not just asking you for water. Do you understand the opportunity that you have right now? The king of glory stands in front of you. See, you're concerned about your practical, natural needs. He says, but I'm worried about and concerned about your eternal needs, your spiritual needs. In fact, I believe he's all but saying to her, you have an opportunity right now. You have an opportunity to have eternal life and living water flowing through you. He's talking spiritually, obviously. Why? Because Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly, that the life of God would flow through us like, like life-giving water. And Jesus is kind of making a, a spiritual you know, nudge towards that direction as he has this conversation with her. She then goes on, if you'll keep reading, she goes on into this religious discussion. She goes into this theological debate on which one is right, the Jews or the Samaritans. And Jesus lets her play that game for a little bit. And then he goes straight to the heart of the matter because he's trying to give her life, right? He's trying to help her understand that in the midst of a pretty bad life, you can make a choice to have something different. And he says to her, hey, sweetheart, why don't you go get your husband? And she says, sir, I, I'm not married. And then he literally gives her a word of knowledge. He says, exactly. You've been married five times, and the one that you're with now is not your husband. And she, whoa. And says that she says it like this, I perceive you to be a prophet. Jesus continues on, and he, and he tells her, I'm not just a prophet. I am the one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. I wonder if in our time of difficulty right now, I wonder if in our we're kind of consumed with our basic needs being challenged right now. Uh, we're kind of, our routines have been thrown off. We're, we're, we're in a real tough moment. But what if this moment is actually an opportunity? What if this moment is an opportunity to draw closer to Jesus? What if, what if all the stuff that, that we're always involved in, our schedules, all the things that we're so committed to, what if they don't really matter so much in light of eternity? What if this is an opportunity to not just draw closer to Jesus, but help others draw closer to Jesus? He tells her, he says, I'm the one. I'm the one that's been prophesied about. The one who just gave you a word of knowledge. The one who just told you that you've been married five times and the one that your wit's not your husband. That one is the king of glory. And I stand here before you. Obviously in this moment, she accepts his testimony of himself as being the Messiah and her heart is changed and life comes inside of her. You say, how do you know that? Because the next couple verses says here in that passage in John chapter four, that she goes running back into town and she begins to tell everybody, come meet the man, come meet the one who told me everything about my life. Listen, if she wouldn't have had a change, if she wouldn't have had a transformation, she would have never gone back to the people who've rejected her, who've mistreated her, who's, who's pushed her aside and to where she has to go at noontime. She goes out and she starts telling them, come meet the one, come meet him. And the Bible says they begin to come out of the city and they begin to engage with Jesus. And then they turn to her and they say, after hearing him, 
not even what you said, our hearts are now turned towards him. And many in that city became disciples of Jesus. Many got saved because in a tragic moment, in a hardship moment, in a life that was going nowhere, in that moment, she met with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I believe that we have a special moment in time right now. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I believe that the choices that that woman made year after year continue to drive her into places where she was further and further away from the truth and even more discouraged with herself and even more broken relationally with those around her. But she had a moment that she could make a different choice and she made it. She made the right choice. I believe this is a moment to make some good choices, some choices to go back deeper with the living God. I believe this is a moment for you and I that everything can turn. The things that maybe used to matter so much that don't really matter can take their rightful position as just kind of off to the side. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords can take precedence. So I want to give you a couple of thoughts. If you'd write these down, a couple of challenges, if you will, on how to capitalize on the moment that we're in right now. How to capitalize. I mean, I, 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 a couple years ago, I capitalized. After 9-11, I bought American Airlines stock. And uh, it was at its lowest. I think I bought it at like $1.75 a share. And, um, and, I, and, and I bought a good bit of it. I had a little bit of extra money. And can I tell you something? That thing rebounded, like you all know. And, uh, and I was able to buy a house. Um, not pay cash, but I was able to pay the, get a down payment for a house that I, I wasn't able to do prior to that. I want you to know this is one of those kind of moments. I think in your difficulty and hardship, if you'll take some of the things I'm going to challenge you with, I think we can actually capitalize on the moment. Here's the first thing I would challenge us with, and that is minimize fleshly consumption right now. Minimize fleshly consumption. Our natural tendency is going to stay up all night long, uh, you know, Netflix binging, uh, you know, eating like we've never ate because, you know, I, you know I, I don't have, the, you know, all the food that I think I'm supposed to have. And we're going to eat and eat. And I would I would challenge you. Minimize the fleshly consumption. Uh, John chapter six and verse 63 says it like this. The spirit gives life, uh, but the flesh, it counts for nothing. The flesh counts for nothing. So I would challenge us, minimize those things. You know, fast, if you will, fast food, fast toilet paper. You ain't got none anyway. <laughs> Just kidding about the fasting toilet paper. But, but this is a great time to literally minimize all the fleshliness that we get so consumed in. I think about how much TV I watch, how many movies I've seen. I think about how much music we all listen to and how much time we spend stuff that doesn't matter. This is a critical moment that you and I can actually, let's minimize it. Here's the second challenge I would give to you on how we can capitalize on the moment. And that is, I would challenge you to maximize your spiritual development right now. Some of you are in the medical field. Some of you are first responders. So you're working 18 hour days right now. And I know that some of this may come across to you like, are you kidding me? How am I going to do anything else? I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm telling you to be something. I'm telling you that you are men and women of God, anointed and created by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to thrive in hardship. God has created you to be an overcomer. And so in this moment, I would actually maximize some of my spiritual development. Take some time and draw near to God. Uh, as, as, as you've got some time, some of you are at home, in, instead, of, instead of binge watching, take an hour and seek Jesus. 
Get your favorite Spotify list going and add worship to it and just sit in the presence of the Lord. Uh, and instead of, you know, watching, you know, so many, you know, podcasts and things like that. What if you begin to read the Word of God? What if you started in the book of John and you just started reading John in the book of Acts? What if I bet in this moment for some of you, you're going to be you're basically going to be home with the kids for the next eight weeks or so. What if you read the entire New Testament? Do you think you wouldn't come out stronger from this moment? You would be, you'd be, listen, you'd be driving past funeral homes and dead people would just start raising from the dead. I'm telling you right now, this is a time to literally maximize our spiritual growth. I, the Lord asked me to do a couple things in this moment and I'm doing, I'm taking some real strategic opportunity plans to say, God, I want to grow in you. And here's the final thing that I would teach you to do uh, that we can really maximize the moment or capitalize on it. And that is minister to others. Minister to others. People are in need right now. And I know that, that some of you watching, you say, I have a real tough need right now. I, I believe that. And I, and I don't want to minimize that. But I have found over the years past that as I take what little I have in the midst of hardship and I share it with others, that God finds a supernatural way to provide for me while helping others through me. And that really is my challenge to us. No matter how bad it is, no matter how difficult you may be going through, you are also a conduit to help others, minister to others. In fact, I'm so encouraged. We've got a lady in our church. Her name is Miss Sue Bernard. And I want to take a moment right now and I want to zoom her in. I want to do a zoom in with her and tell her story for a little bit. So join in with me now as we go live with Miss Sue Bernard. Hey, everybody, I'm joined live with Miss Sue Bernard. Can y'all give her a hand? I know she can't hear you, but I can feel it. <laughs> Let me explain to you who this amazing woman is. Ms. Sue Bernard uh, has been the director of our academy here at Church on the Hill for many years. She had been a, a NIC unit nurse and uh, always up in the middle of real tragic things that were happening in the local hospital. And then also she was a missionary for many years and ministered to kids and people all around the world. And at present, she is one of our best small group leaders, even though she's homebound and has been homebound for about four years. And I just want you to know, Ms. Sue, I am so proud of you. And I really feel like you can coach us a little bit and encourage us a little bit. Tell me what it's like to be a small group leader for Church on the Hill and love people, yet you're homebound. How do you do that? It's really simple. You just reach out. Um, our small group, we found out after we got going, are all disabled in some way or another. And that was pretty cool because, you know, we could have a different heart for people and we could see where they're, you know, coming from. So we just started reaching out to people and we started ministering and we said, what's our heart? And our heart was the forgotten of America, the people that are homebound, lost um, in the shuffle of things and are just at home alone. No way to get out, no one to take care of them. Yeah, you guys even started adopting some folks that no yes. one seemed to be caring about. And you, you guys are all on a fixed income yes. and you actually help people uh, buy things for them. How do you do that on a fixed income? What, do you, what all do you do? Okay, we have adopted six people actually at this point. And we just make sure that they get little gifts every so once in a while. We send them food packets, um, snacks, all kinds of things like that. And God has been so gracious. He's sent things our way. A lot of times we decide, okay, um, we want to do something for somebody. So we're going to give up maybe our coffee this week that we buy at the store. Or we might give up something else because it's more important. We don't have to have our wants met. We have to have our needs met. But these people aren't even having their needs met. So we're uh -oh, doing Miss Sue, I'm going to tell you right, right now, as I hear you talk, I just realized I'm not going to heaven. <laughs> you guys are amazing. Now, one of the things you were telling me earlier, too, is that the way you guys stay strong as a small group is you're, you're constantly texting, 
you're constantly calling each other because you can't have meetings together, right? Right, especially right now, no. But no, we, we do more talking back and forth, sending each other e-cards, um, lots of calling, sometimes four times a day if somebody's really uh -oh. having a bad problem or um, just call and say, hey, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? What do you need? What can we do for you? And through that, we've been able to meet a lot of their needs and also needs outside of the small group. So it's um, not hard. It's really easy, but you just have to say, hey, I'm going to do this no matter what I'm doing this. And you just do it. It's not, um, you don't have to be a super man or super woman to be a small group, le group leader. You just have to have a heart for people and be ready to reach out and do it. It's simple. You, you know, don't have to be a brain, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, we're all basically going to be quarantined to be in homebound. The yeah. rest of us, you've already been living in that space. And I think today right. what you've done is really encouraged me and I think a lot of other people that we can minister to others, yes. even though we may be homebound, even though we may not. Some, some of our people yes. have lost their jobs right now and they're really, yes. you know, they're scared about, you know, what, what, you know, what's going to happen. But what I love about you is that you've not let your tragedies and your difficulties drive you into depression or frustration. You found a way to keep loving. And I, and, and to me, you're a hero. And I just want you to know that we love you. Thank you for being you. Come on, everybody clap for Miss Sue. You're the best. I love Thank you, Miss Sue. Thank you for sharing your story. Mwah. Mwah. Miss Sue Bernard, listen, she told me I could share her age, but I won't. So we've got an elderly lady who's homebound who has not let, who's, who's on a fixed income, who's not let her difficulties dictate how she helps other people. She's been like that for four years. Some of us have been homebound for, you know, less than four days and we're about to lose our mind and we're giving up and we're concerned about, you know, where, where's all this gonna end up? Let us walk in faith. May Miss Sue's story and how she lives be an encouragement to us. You know, I want to just take a moment right where you're at. I want to pray with you. Um, you know, one of the things that happens in these moments is, is, is we can become fleshly. Like I, I told you, be careful, minimize all the fleshliness. I, I, I'm helping people right now that, you know, the moment they got the word that they got laid off or that their job was not going to be able to keep paying them, uh, they, they immediately begin to feel those old feelings of sinfulness and, and some have even started struggling, you know, thinking about, well, let's I'm go back to drinking or, uh, you know, even struggling back again with, with sexual addictions and things like that. You don't have to have that. This can be your finest hour. We can love folks. We can grow in God. We can make the most of this moment. We can maximize the moment. This is your finest hour. I want to pray with you as your pastor, as someone who loves you. I want you right where you're at. I want you just to bow your heads for a moment. Father, I pray for the men and women that are online with us right now, those who will be watching this even later, even the nations around the world. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would recognize we have a moment and that, Lord God, instead of, instead of maximizing the fleshly, we'll maximize, Lord God, our spiritual development now, that we'll be life to others, Lord God, as you are life to us. Lord, where there's been fear and discouragement, I pray peace and courageousness to overtake. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that we would take our eyes off of 
our life and our situation and our hardship and we'd put our eyes on you, the, the Arthur and perfecter of our faith. And Father, I speak life right now into those who are watching, those who are online with me in services today. And God, I pray right now they would feel and sense that you've got them in the palm of your hand and that it's all going to be okay. And that Father, I pray courage into them to say, wait a minute, I can maximize the moment. I don't want to miss my moment. This is a moment where I can do great things for God and become a great man or woman of God. And Father, I thank you right now. Strength to them. Strength to them in Jesus' name. Now, if you just keep your head bowed, if you're watching us today or engaging with us and you're away from God, I want to give you some good news. Jesus isn't mad at you. And not only that, but you've got to have somewhat of a tender heart towards God. You wouldn't turn this on. Listen to me be all crazy and dumb like that. If there wasn't something in your heart saying you need God and you want God, there's a graciousness about you and your God wants you. He wants a relationship with you. In fact, the Word of God teaches us that because we sinned humanity early on in the garden, it separated us from the living God. That sin became this, this wall between us. But God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. And Jesus laid His life down on that cross, tore down that wall, and now we have a, a right to the Father through Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says it like this, if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And uh, so I talk with people all the time about this. And they go, well, well what do I have to do to, to, to be a good Christian? Well, I just told you, you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Jesus did all the heavy lifting. He died on a cross. He made the way. And, and he said, well, that seems so easy. I know, right? But you and I have an opportunity. We have a chance right now to make a choice. A choice like that Samaritan woman to believe and follow Jesus, have her life transformed forever, or continue down the life of prejudiceness and frustration and agitation and excuses about what didn't go right in her life. And so today, if you want Jesus in your life, I'd like to lead you in a prayer of confession, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of making Jesus your Lord and Savior. It's a real simple prayer. I don't think there's anything magical about the words. I think what's supernatural is God's touching your heart right now and drawing you to Himself. That's beautiful. And I promise you, as you respond to Him, he will meet you right there and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you want Jesus in your life right now, I'd like to lead you in a prayer of repentance. Repeat this with me. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I recognize I've sinned against you. But I ask you now to forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. I declare you are my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that my name is in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, I love you guys, and I'll see you next week online, same place, same channel.